0: And amen. Thank you, Brother Brock, for praying so powerfully, brother. Thank you for reading the scripture. Well, it's good to be together this afternoon. Amen. 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 In the house of the Lord. In the house of the Lord. Amen. To Praise God one more Sunday by his grace. So if you have your Bibles, let me go ahead and get you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. It's so where we're we gonna be. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And as you turn there or scroll there, let me let me ask God for his help again. Let's pray together. God, it is a privilege and a joy to be able to gather with your people this afternoon. Um, God, we we thank you uh, for this grace. This is a grace that we get to um, experience, being able to come on a weekly basis to open up the Word, to sing songs of praise to you, uh, to to be in community with one another. Lord, we don't take that for granted. We count it a joy, a privilege. And so, God, we pray that as we are gathered around your word now, that you would blot out any distractions, that you would blot out uh, anything, God, whether when we were coming here or as we are thinking about when we leave from here or going into the next week, God, would You would you help us to focus in on you by your spirit? Help us, Lord. We know there's a lot that's happening in our lives, a lot that uh, is going on, a lot that we came in with, a lot that we'll be going out with as we uh, continue on in our day-to-day and things that we're gearing up for this week. But God, help us to be reminded that you go before us, that you have gone behind us, that you are all around us, and that you are with us in it all. And we can look to you. And we can trust you. Because your track record has proven to be trustworthy. You are trustworthy. And you are worthy of all of our praise and all of our honor. So God, as we crack open your word this afternoon, would you, by your spirit, let your word do the work in all of our hearts. Help us to hear. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us hearts to believe by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So Ephesians 6, starting at verse 1, it reads as follows. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is God's word, amen? Amen. So if you're taking notes this evening, if you're writing it down, or if you're jotting it in your phone or whatever, so here's here's the main idea that might go something like this, of this passage, is that children please God when they obey and honor their parents, and parents please God when they don't provoke their children to anger or raise their children in the ways of the Lord, right? This is the the main idea that we are capturing with this passage. I'll read it once again. Children, please God. We'll see this later on in the passage that children, your aim is to, to please God ultimately and it is pleasing God when you obey and honor your parents. And parents please God when they don't provoke their children to anger, but raise them in the ways of the Lord, all right? Just two points that we're going to walk through this afternoon to help guide our time, and it's the way the the passage is broken up. You'll see that Paul uh, addresses children, right? You see that is the first word of verse one, children, and so we'll see that in verses one through three, and then point number two, fathers, fathers, and we'll see that in verse four. So children, point number one, Father's point number two, let's dive into point number one, children. Look back with me at verse one. Here's what it reads. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So Paul spent in the last chapter addressing, if you, if you were with us a couple of weeks ago, you, you, you saw in chapter five that Paul was addressing the wives and the husbands. And then in the first four verses of chapter six, he is now addressing children and fathers. What Paul has been doing in chapters 5, verses 22 through 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 4, is mapping out what a gospel-centered family is supposed to look like. Right? This, is, this is what he's been doing. He's been showing us, in God's word, what a gospel-centered family is supposed to entail. And as we've seen in our time studying the book of Ephesians, uh, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, it's doctrine-heavy, so that just means it's, it's teaching, teachings about God. It's teachings about God that we see in chapter 1 through 3, and it's heavy on that. But then the last three chapters of the book is about how to apply that teaching, right? How to apply that teaching. So it's doctrine, and then it's, it's practically how do you apply that, right? And then chapter 5, verse 22, through chapter 6, verse 4, we have been learning how the gospel shapes a household, how the gospel shapes a household. So notice in the text that Paul starts out with children, right? He starts out with children. He didn't start out with boys. No, children implies that he's including both boys and girls. So something about in Paul's day, uh, the culture didn't value girls as they should. They, they weren't treated with dignity and respect that they deserve. They weren't included. And sadly, much, if we look around in our culture today, hasn't changed, has it? Sadly, women, girls, are not given the God-given value that they have been created with by God, and the purpose that God has given them, and the dignity and the worth that God has bestowed upon them, right? So children, both boys and girls, in Paul's day, were mistreated. Uh, they were disregarded. They were left for dead in certain circumstances. And then they were done horrible and unimaginable things with and to, right? But what I love about the scriptures here, what Paul is doing, Paul is going against the culture. And he includes the boys and the girls in this command, right? He is also tapping into how the church had high regard for the children where the culture had a low regard, and even we may see that sometimes even in this day, the church had a high regard for children, and the church even today in 2022 should have a high regard for children. So we love children here at CACC. We, we see them as a blessing. They are a gift from God, right? And they are a blessing. So the church then and the church now are to model after their Savior, the Lord Jesus where he says here in Matthew 19, 14, he says, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Right? Let the little children come to me, Jesus says. Don't hinder them, for to them belongs the kingdom of heaven. So Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, gives a command to children. He commands them to obey their parents in the Lord. So this is the what. So the what is obeying their parents or your parents in the Lord. We'll look at the why in just a second. So then what does it mean to obey your parents? What does it mean to obey your parents? Well, it means to to listen to your parents and to then do what they ask of you, to do what they say. For example... And I got told this a lot when I was growing up. For example, if your parents ask you to do some chores, uh, like clean your room or anything along those lines, or if they ask you to to not stay up so late uh, because you got school the next day, maybe work or whatever the case may be, you should obey them. You should obey them. Whatever they ask of you, as long as it's not sinful, you should obey them. Graciously obey them, lovingly obey them. Notice also that Paul says, obey your parents in the Lord, right? You see that in the text, in the Lord. What this means is, is if your parents are Christians and they are giving you instructions in the way of the Lord, then as they are giving you instructions from the Bible, you should honor and obey them. They're giving you instructions from the word, if you're, parents are Christians and they are reading God's word with you and give you instruction from God's word, then you should obey and honor them. So this obeying your parents in the Lord means you obeyed your parents, but as you obey your parents, you are obeying and pleasing the Lord as this is what he has ordained for how children are to live within the home, Right? This is how God has set it up, right? That's what we've been seeing when we were in Ephesians 5, through uh, 33, and now chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, this is how God, this is God's word, this is how God has set it up to be that a gospel-centered family is supposed to look and to navigate. So, obeying your parents in the Lord ultimately is that you as a child, you want to Please the Lord. That's your ultimate aim. So as you seek to honor your parents and obey them, your ultimate aim in doing that is because you want to please the Lord first, but that in pleasing the Lord, you know that God has commanded you and as you seek to obey him, by honoring and by loving your parents in this way. So when children disobey their parents, or disregard what their parents ask them to do, they not only disobey them, the parents, or disregard the parents, guess what? They are also disobeying and disregarding God. It's important that we see it through this lens, because why? Because this wasn't a command that was given by parents to parents. This was a command to obey and honor your parents that came from God, right? The God of the universe, who created all things, including everyone in this room and everyone outside of this room, in his image, after his likeness, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the everywhere at all times, the all-wise, loving, merciful, and holy, gracious God has spoken, has given us a command. And this is one of the commands, to honor, to obey our parents. So, children, when you and, and, and any of us, when we disobey and disregard our parents, you may not think about it like this at first. You, you, you may not even know this at this moment. You are doing the same to God. Deep down inside is a longing for you, even, even at a young age, To be in control. You think you know better than your parents. And I was there. I was there and can be there. You think you know better than your parents who have lived and experienced more than you. That your way is more right. And children in the room, lovingly, I say that that's the sin of pride. That's the sin of pride. And it's as old as the first instance of pride that we see back in Genesis 3 when our first parents fell into sin, right? So, you remember the story? So, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. He created uh, the first man and woman in his image after his likeness. Uh, You know, our first parents, Adam and Eve, were given a direct command by God, right, to not partake of a tree, the fruit of a particular tree that was. Forbidden, the serpent comes through. He deceives them, right, into believing his word and even twisting God's word and not believing what their heavenly father told them and had given them a direct command. So they they disobey God and his word. They disregard God and his word. And every child since then has been doing the same. Us adults aren't without sin. We were children at one point too, and we still have parents. We did the same as children, and even now as adults. So some of us, here's an example, some of us may still even clinch up. We, we, We clinch up when our parents tell us to do something. Even right now, at our, at our older age, I hear some laughing. We, you know, when mommy and daddy say, look, hey, I need you to do this, son. I need you to do this, daughter. Or, or this way you need to do this. You thought, you know, you did this. You thought you knew what was, what's up and you knew the way that you were supposed to go. And they'd be like, nah, nah, nah. I'm telling you, this is right. And you're like, nah, I got it. I know what I'm doing. A part of that, maybe, a part of that is that we are struggling with receiving authority, receiving authority. This can happen not just with our parents. It can happen with, 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 you know, supervisors. It can happen with so forth and so forth. But what this points to and points us back to is we have an issue with authority as old as Adam and Eve's fall. Now I'm not saying some parents or supervisors or pastors even or leaders of all sorts don't abuse authority. Not saying that, That's that's another sermon for another day. But follow the principle here. Children should obey their parents because it's the way that God has ordained it, the way that God has set it up. And in doing so, this pleases him and it blesses in return the children and the parents. Listen to Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So does this mean if you grew up with unbelieving parents that you shouldn't obey them? No. I think there is an implication even here and we'll see this in the next verse. That it still pleases the Lord when we honor and obey our parents, period. Period. Whether they are believing uh, Christians, whether they may not know the Lord or didn't know the Lord. So that's the, that's the what. Here's the why. We are to obey our parents and the Lord. Why? Look back. At the verse, what does it say? For this is right. For this is right. Children, obeying your parents is the right thing to do. It pleases the Lord and it blesses your parents. When you don't, it displeases the Lord. And as I've said already before, your aim in obeying your parents should be first and foremost that you are seeking to please the Lord. Now, children are going to be imperfect in this as us adults were when we were children and even now as adults because why? We're all sinners. We're all sinners. We are sinful. We are Don't always obey like we should. You Don't always listen as we should. That's children and adults. Nobody's exempt from that, right? So parents in the room, we need to teach this to our children and continue to teach this to our children that they are sinners just like mommy and daddy in need of a savior, right? And... Children, you're going to have to show yourself some grace as well as parents are going to have to show children grace. Both parties are going to have to show each other grace because we're all sinful. And the way God has done it is that he's taken sinful parents and sinful children and he's put them in a home and he's like, do life together. <laughs> do life and you're like, I know. I'm like this. I'm like, I don't know. What am I doing? What's going on? How am I? It's the way the Lord has ordained it, but he gives us strength, right? He gives us grace to parent well and to, as children, to, to obey and honor our parents well. And so he provides us strength to do that. So in verses 2 through 3, Paul directs children to God's command back in Exodus 2012, right? So he, he points them back. Look there with me. What does it say? Verses two through three, it says, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. So children are to obey their parents, and they are to honor their parents. So what does it mean to to honor your parents? So we've talked about briefly obeying your parents. What does it mean to then now Honor your parents. Well, that word honor means to have high respect for or to have great esteem for someone, right? And so in this case, he's referring to our parents. So to have high respect or have great esteem for our parents. And as I was like thinking through different illustrations and something, you know, from our culture and all of this, that, and third, I really, and and this is sufficient enough, it pointed me to the relationship that the son of God has with the father. So think about Jesus, the son of God and the father. So when we think about the Trinity, uh, God, you know, displaying himself, uh, in three distinct persons, one God, three distinct persons. Uh, that's the father, that's the son, it's the Holy spirit. So when we think about, uh, the Son Jesus and his relationship to the Father, I was reminded of this passage here in John 5, 19 through 24, where you see, and even just to give a little more context briefly, is that when you, when you think about the relationship that the Son has with the Father, you see how the Son, man, he was sent by the Father, right? He obeyed the Father. He came, right, to, to live a perfect, sinless life and die on the cross. And, be buried and be resurrected from the dead. Even in Jesus' time, he, he, was, he talks about how, you know, he doesn't speak on his own accord, he speaks what's from the Father. So you see this, this relationship between God the Son and God the Father. And So here's John five nineteen through 24. It says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life gives them life, excuse me, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So this beautiful picture of the Trinity here, two persons in the Trinity here on display, their relationship. Uh, The son honoring the father, the father honoring the son, the son not doing anything on his own accord, but only in accordance to what the father has told him to do and how he's to live. This is a beautiful picture, right, of what we're seeing, obeying and to honor. So we are to honor our parents, love them, and respect them, dishonor them, hate them, or disrespect them. So I know this could be sensitive for for some of us. For some of you, you may have grown up or are growing up without parents. Maybe a parent or your parents abandoned you. Uh, Maybe they weren't present in your life. Maybe they did things to you no parent should. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry if that's you this evening. And this may be hard for you to hear, but one way that you may, one way that you may apply this passage is that even though your relationship with your parents or parents is broken, the Bible still commands you to honor them, to honor them. You all may not ever have the relationship that you would have hoped, but in your heart, here's where I'm getting at, in your heart and in your thoughts, and even in the way that you talk about them to other people, when people ask you about your childhood, your upbringing, even in the way that you talk, to those particular people about them, you can still honor them. They are still your parents. They are the parents that God gave you. And if you're a Christian, this is the Christian thing to do. To still honor them. So I I know, I know, I know this is hard to hear. I know this can be tough. But we still must extend forgiveness to our parents as you have been forgiven. Still extend forgiveness as you have been forgiven. So pray for them. Pray for them. Pray. If they don't know the Lord, pray for their salvation. Like, I hope you would want to see your parents come to know the Lord, even though, even though they may not have been present, even though they may have done things, hard things. That's tough. So I'm not negating any of that. Still pray. Pray for them. Pray for their salvation. Pray for your heart that you might, even if you don't talk to them, even if you don't have that relationship with them, that in your heart that you might still be able to regard them and honor them as the parents that God has given you. Y'all with me? Amen. Amen. Or maybe, maybe you lost a parent or your parents. Um, maybe you feel like you didn't honor them as much as you could have when you had the chance, or maybe you did in the time that you were with them or they with you, either way, for the first scenario that I mentioned, and even in this scenario, there's grace for you. There's grace for you at the cross. Be reminded of the good news of Jesus this afternoon, that whether you did or you didn't, you and me have been granted forgiveness and freedom in Christ based on his perfect sinless life, death on the cross, his burial and resurrection in our place. So here's what I want to say. Don't live in regret. Live and rest in Christ. Don't live in regret. With what you couldn't have or what you could have done, Live and rest in Christ this afternoon. Amen? So notice that this commandment was given with a promise, right? In fact, your Bibles uh, may even have that in parentheses there. I'm reading from the ESV, so you see it in parentheses. It says this is the first commandment with a promise, right? So what's what's the promise? It says in verse 3, this is the promise, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Sounds like a tight promise, huh? (laughs) That's a good promise. (laughs) Now, this was in an original promise to Israel, okay? That the children would live and have a good life in the land of Israel, all right? But what Paul is doing here is he's making this statement more general, all right? So, as I was... Spending some time studying this and just kind of thinking about, um, yeah, you know, obeying and honoring our parents and, you know, even thinking about how in the Old Testament, I mean, to, to, to not do that was a death sentence. Here's a couple of verses. I mean, to disrespect your parents would result in death. It was a serious offense. Here's a couple of verses uh, from Exodus 21, verse 15. It says, whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. that's, yeah, <laughs> you don't get no played than that. And then verse 17 of the same chapter, whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. Like, God wasn't playing around. He still isn't playing around even to this day, but he wasn't playing around. You disrespected, you dishonored, you hit your parents, you cursed at your parents, shall be put to death. But of course, one thing that I want to also highlight, this doesn't mean, in light of this promise, this doesn't mean that sickness or bad stuff or even death won't come to those who still honor and obey their parents. It doesn't mean that. What Paul is saying in general here is that dishonoring your parents is putting yourself in the danger zone, right? It's a dangerous thing to, yeah, to disrespect, to dishonor, to mistreat your parents. One, we sh- yeah, there are parents. We shouldn't want to do that in general. But, but yeah, like, like dishonor them, to disrespect them puts ourselves in a danger zone. But great spiritual blessings always come to those who obey God's word. Right? Great spiritual blessings always come to those who obey God's word. So obey your parents, honor your parents, all of us. We need to obey and honor our parents. So now Paul then turns the attention to fathers in verse 4. So point number two, fathers, fathers. Look back with me at verse 4. Here's what it reads. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, of course, this could be addressed to both fathers and mothers, right? Mothers can also provoke children to anger, but given the context of this passage, fathers being the head of the household, we saw this in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, but fathers being the head of the household and etc., cetera, et cetera, they had primary responsibility of raising the children. Once again, mothers aren't excluded. Paul makes it clear that children are to honor their mothers and fathers. But given the culture, fathers had great authority over their children. Sometimes it was even a misuse of authority. So here again, Paul flips the culture on its head He doesn't feed into the misuse of authority, but he seeks to correct it. He seeks to correct it. He tells fathers, this is how he corrects this, to not provoke their children to anger. To not provoke their children. So what are some ways, this is an exhaustive list by any means, but what are some ways that fathers or parents in general can provoke their children to anger? Here's a couple of them, as I was thinking. Not expressing our love to them. Not expressing our love to them. Telling our children, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're a blessing. You're a gift from God. Two, failing to realize they are just children. That, yeah, when I see my little son do some different things and this, that, and the third, me realizing having to realize like man he's just four he's just four and sometimes as parents we fail to realize that whatever age they are <laughs> that they are just children three not being present in their lives not being present in their lives maybe maybe work is consuming you or Maybe, maybe other different things are consuming your time and, and you're not um, spending enough time as you could with your children. Number four, trying to live our dreams through them. Trying to live our dreams, dreams we've ha- we had when we were children and teenagers and things we would have maybe wanted to see play out in our lives. We're now trying to live our dreams through them. That might provoke them to anger because it may be something that they weren't really wanting to be involved with, something that they may not like, but we're trying to live our dreams through them. And Then one more, over-disciplining them or not disciplining them enough, or another aspect of it, disciplining them out of anger, disciplining them out of anger. Once again, this isn't an exhaustive list by any means. These are just some of the ways that we might provoke our children to anger. Maybe some of you have experienced this and maybe have been provoked to anger. But these are some of the ways as parents that we can hopefully, by God's grace, prevent our children from being angry with us. Right? So... He instead, moving on, he instead tells fathers, so he says, don't provoke your children to anger, but he instead instead tells fathers to raise them up in the Lord. To raise them up in the Lord. To bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So this discipline Paul is referring to involves training and even punishment, if need be. Right? Like, Discipline, when I say punishment, meaning disciplining our kids, if need to be. The instruction is, re- is referring to teaching. It's referring to teaching, including encouragement and admonishing, challenging from God's word. So essentially, Paul is calling parents to disciple their children. To disciple their children to help them follow Jesus. Parents, this is our responsibility, that we are to be disciple makers in our homes, helping our spouses, helping our children follow Jesus. If we don't do it, TikTok will, YouTube will, the best friends will. So we got to be about this. Discipling one another in our homes. Our homes are to be our first ministry. So husbands, fathers, wives, mothers, your homes are to be your first ministry. So we can't expect to make disciples outside the home if we're not intentionally doing it within our homes. We've got to all be about that. We're going to be imperfect in it but we got to be intentional with it. Amen? So what, what might that look like practically? And I know some of us are already doing this. All of us are already doing this. But what might that look like practically? Well, a couple of things. Read the Bible with your families. Read the Bible. Get in God's Word with your families. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's a design time during the week where it's like a... a, a one night a week, like a family worship night, right? Our family, we on Tuesday evenings, uh, by God's grace, seek to come together and we do a family worship night together, where we spend time in God's word together and we pray for one another, our church body, the world, the community, etc. Cetera, et cetera. We spend time doing that. Or maybe that's maybe that if that doesn't work for schedules, maybe that looks like on another time and day or whatever that might look like that is best for you all. But the reality of it is, is that we got to be spending time in God's word with our families. Reading the scriptures. Praying with one another. Right? That's the second one. Praying with our families. Praying together. Third one. Model what confessing sin and repentance looks like. Right? I mess up. I apologize to my son. I apologize to my wife ask for their forgiveness. We should all be doing the same within our families. Mommy and daddy doesn't always get it right. And so we want LJ to see that mommy and daddy confesses sin and we repent of sin. He <laughs> said, you know, we we repent. The other one, proclaim the gospel to your families, right? Like we know that the gospel is is. Yeah, it's for unbelievers, but it's also for Christians, right? And so if we, yeah, in our homes, we want to be proclaiming the gospel to one another. Like the gospel, and this is amazing how God has set it up, the gospel is a- applicable to every aspect of our lives. So in our day-to-days, you know, doing life in our homes, the gospel has something to say to that, right? The way we, uh, yeah, our marriages, our marriages, our families, our work, our school. Like the gospel has something to say to that. When we mess up, when we sin, we want to be quick to, man, like, yeah, that, that's error. That's sinful. You want to repent of that. You want to believe the gospel. You want to you look to the cross. You want to look to Jesus. And so intentionally seeking to proclaim the gospel Within our homes and encourage one another with the gospel. A Couple more, seek to be on mission with your families. There's opportunities to, you know, uh, you know, help a family. We've done this, you know, at different times. You know, uh, when I was at McLean Bible and even now, uh, where you know, times where we would drop off like meals to to families and different things along those lines. Like us as a family going to do that together. And seeking to be on mission together, to love and care for this family well. Seeking to share the gospel, having people over, you know what I mean, uh, that may not know the Lord. And seeking to, to share the gospel with uh, those particular individuals. Whatever that might look like for you all, but seeking to just be on mission. Showing our children, showing our children how to share the gospel, how to live the gospel. Amen. And then ultimately, this is, yeah, this is probably the most important that I want to stress. Give them Jesus. Give them Jesus. He's enough. He's enough. We want to be about giving our families Jesus. Helping all of us to set our eyes on him and to look to him. We all need help. We're imperfect. But he's perfect. So we wanna we wanna help our families. Or I wanna help my son. You can look to me. But I ultimately want you to look to Jesus. Ultimately, look to Him. Daddy is sinful. Daddy's imperfect. But Jesus is perfect. He's beautiful. He's our Savior. We wanna we wanna be about giving our children, our spouses, our families, Jesus. He's enough. So for those of you who aren't married yet or don't have children yet, you may be wondering how in the world does all of this apply to me? I'm glad you asked. You've probably heard the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Right? Well, Those of you who aren't married yet or don't have children yet, you're just as much a part of the village as those of us who have spouses and have children. And guess what? We need your help. (laughs) We need your help to raise our children to be like Jesus. Here's where I'm getting at. Here's where I'm getting at is that at CHCC, we are a family of believers, and as a part of this family, Everyone, everyone is committed to helping one another follow Jesus, right? Granted, when we think about our children, granted, the parents, you know what I mean, are going to have sole responsibility in this, but your encouragement and your support is needed. It's needed and it's necessary. It's kind of like how back in the day uh, in the community I grew up in, some of you all might be able to relate to this, uh, if such and such mom saw you out in the street acting a fool, uh, she will whoop your butt. She might whoop your butt, right? She might whoop your tail and then go to your parents and tell them that she whooped your tail and then guess what's gonna happen after that? You're gonna get another whooping by your parents. Now I'm not saying go do that in 2022. You might go to jail, you might. You just might, I don't know. We we need to be disciplined with our kids, but, you know, know, you're having other folks with your kids, and somebody see that, and they might, you might go viral. (laughs) That might be what happened, too. So prepare for that. But in principle, what I'm getting at, family, is that everyone within our church has a responsibility to help disciple the children among us and in our community. Right? You see you see, LJ? see glow, you see grace, you see any other children not not walking in the way that mommy and daddy is encouraging them and telling them, please point them to Jesus, point them to Jesus, encourage them, correct them, amen, amen, amen. So some of you all who don't have families yet, just still stand there for one, one brief moment, what would it look like? What would it look like if you took some of the children within our community, just even think about our partnership with Ballou High School right now, right? Even with some of the things that we're doing, and we were just talking about this this morning uh, at the Owens House, uh, thinking about evangelism and thinking about our rhythms and plans. But just thinking about it from this standpoint, what would it look like if you were to take some of those children or other children that you might know under your wing and help them follow what would that look like what would that say about the church about this church and about churches that we are seeking to be committed as a local body to helping every child look and live like Jesus we want to help one another do that we want to encourage one another to do that and may that be so may that be so For us here at CACC, with the children among us and the children in our community, them seeing a picture of Jesus. He said the verse I read earlier, come to me. I'm not going to cast you away. I want to show you him. I want you to live and look like him and rely on him, depend on him for everything. So lastly, I know hearing this message, for some of us, can do one of two things. For some of us, it encourages us. For some of us, it may discourage us. You, as a child or a parent, you may be feeling like you are blowing it. That's a real feeling. You may feel like you're not yet. Children may feel like you're not obeying mommy and daddy or honoring mommy and daddy as I should. Um, parents feeling like you're provoking your children to anger. Um, whatever that might be, you might feel like that. Well, I want to remind us and encourage us of, encourage us in the gospel. And that if that's you this afternoon, parents, children, one, I want us to look to Jesus. I want us to set our eyes on him and be reminded that we're sinners. That we were created in God's image after his likeness, but we are fallen. And so we sin. We don't do things all the way that we should. We're imperfect. And we're going to blow it at times. We're not going to be the best spouses at times that we can be. We're not going to be the best parents that we can always be. We're not going to be the best employee that we can always be. We're not going to be the best child that we can always be. I mean, X, Y, Z, you keep it going. We're not going to be that all the time. And we need to be reminded that there was one, there was one who was perfect, who didn't blow it, who kept God's command fully and completely, never sinning, never doing anything wrong, never thinking anything wrong, never talking to children in a, in a wrong way, right? Never doing anything that opposed God and his word. This is Jesus. This Jesus, the son of God, comes, and he lives a perfect sinless life and then he was treated as a criminal, and he is sent to the cross where he hung and bled for you and for me, for our sins, for every kid's sins, for every adult's sins in this room and outside this room. He was hung on the cross, mistreated treated as a criminal, but he went there willfully and willingly. Hebrews 12 says it was the joy that was set before him to endure the cross and despise the shame. So he dies on the cross, he's buried in a grave, he didn't stay there long, on the third day he was resurrected from the dead with all power and dominion, offering salvation offering salvation to all who would turn away from their sin, turn away from the ways that you might not be living up to God's standard, to turn away from uh, all of the sin that God hates, and then to turn, not back to that sin, but to turn away from that stuff and turn to Jesus by belief by faith, by trusting solely in what Christ has done for you and for me on the cross. The Bible says, child, adult, you don't know him, but you can know him through what Christ has done on your behalf. So first and foremost, if you are here and you are not a Christian, I want to invite you to Jesus. I want to invite you to come to know him. And that's the only way that you can come to know him is by looking upon him and trusting and receiving Jesus by faith. And then, so I want to invite you to that. And, and, and if you have questions about that, if you have thoughts about that, see me after the service. See, see any, any, anyone serving here, any Christian here, see them after the service. We would love to journey with you to help you think about that to talk with you about what does it mean to follow Jesus. But for Christians here who, as I was mentioning early on about uh, feeling like you're blowing it, whether you're a child, whether you're an adult, I want to encourage you with the gospel in this way to receive that. To receive that once once again, that you are a sinner and that you are imperfect and that You are, yeah, every day you may not please God in the way that you would hope. But Jesus, what Jesus did, he did. And what he calls you to do, parent or child, is to receive that good news and rest in it. Rest in it. Receive it. Rest in it as your only hope and trust it. I love using this picture of bear-hugging it, bear-hugging that truth. So I want to invite you to that, to not, to, not, yeah, to not wallow in shame and guilt. God doesn't call you to that. He calls you to freedom, he calls you to freedom and trust and hope in the Lord Jesus. So I want to invite you to that this evening. So let me now do this. Let's let's spend just a couple of moments as as we close, just between you and the Lord, before the worship team comes back up. Just between you and the Lord, just in light of this message, just kind of thinking about wherever you land on what we just talked about. Whether you, yeah, are not a Christian, um, you want to know more about what that means, or whether you are a Christian and you've just been struggling with, with, you know, doing family life, being a parent, being, yeah, mom, spouse, father, husband, whatever the case may be, why don't you just take a few moments between you and the Lord just to confess, repent. And then receive that grace of God in the gospel. Let's just spend a couple of moments just doing that. Can we do that? Amen. Uh, Father, we come before you this afternoon, thanking you for uh, this opportunity to gather as your people. Uh, Thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the the goodness and grace that we find in your word. God, I pray that wherever we fall on what we just discussed, that you would meet us where we're at. Meet us where we're at. Your word does that. You meet us where we're at, and your word refreshes us, encourages us, equips us, challenges us, convicts us, and changes us. So, God, I pray that you would do just that, Lord, for husbands, for wives, for parents, for children, and your word do the work in all of our hearts this Ultimately, help us to obey your word. Help us to trust your word. Your word is good. It's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. So, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've spoken to us. You've made a way for us to hear your voice through the Bible, through your word, that we can obey you. Lord, help us to obey you. We need your spirit to do it. We need your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Worship team, you can come on up.